From a distance, it looks like he's punched you in the face. Incoming transmission. Engage house party protocol. Mark 4, powering up. Mark 17, powering up. Mark 44, powering up. All suits are online. Welcome to House Party Protocol. Power up suits and welcome in to another episode of House Party Protocol. My name is Will and with me today coming from way across the other part of the world where according to them it's hot but when they tell me the temperatures it would I would think cold and that's the one and only Aaron and John from the Web Warriors Protocols. What's happening guys? Yeah not too bad Will thanks John. <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm doing all right I'm enjoying uh hot-ish weather with a bit of paddling pool and some ice creams, despite right. the fact you told me it was just cold. And I absolutely hate it, Will. So we're polar opposites. I can't stand any warmth. But warmth. I just want to be cold and miserable and enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I, I do not like the cold weather at all. Like, make me sweat. I'm good with that. But you start making it where I've got to, like, layer on, and then there's that, like, one part of your body that no matter how many layers you put on is still cold. Yeah, I don't like that. I'm not about that life. Yeah, I'd much rather be cold than be too hot. I'd, I've got dreadlocks, Will. <laughs> it's not okay. nice when it's hot. It's really hot. I could see that. <laughs> Having never had dreadlocks myself, I could see them, <laughs> you know, contributing to the heat. <laughs> yeah, it's not nice. It makes me envy John's haircut. But my haircut is not by choice. <laughs> you mean the lack of haircut? It's just totally like just no hair there. Is that it? Yeah, there's there's no hair on the top, so the rest of it gets taken off, so you can't tell quite as much. There you go. There you go. Well, funny enough, that kind of looks like one of the characters we're going to be talking about today. Mate, I would be happy with that, in a certain extent, in terms of his power levels and stuff, maybe not his beliefs. Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Yes. Screw, screw Baron Strucker's beliefs, but man, does he look like a cool model on the tabletop. So yeah. Exactly. We're going to be talking about Baron Strucker and Arnim Zola today. And these are two characters that I'm pretty excited to finally discuss. And just to do a little bit of housekeeping here, for those of you wondering, NashCon was last weekend. We will be doing a NashCon recap show talking about that here soon. But it's just kind of the timing didn't work out. So we're going to be covering these characters. And have no fear, NashCon recap will be coming up. And then... We've got a YouTube channel update coming soon. We're going to be starting our first episode of the uh, Barncat special. I don't know what we're going to call it yet, but we're going to call it something. But the uh, the deep dives that we're going to be doing, we're starting that up here very soon. We were waiting to get over the hump of NashCon. Yeah, so that's going to be fun. Make sure you're subscribed over there. And if you are subscribed to the YouTube, make sure to send me a screenshot with the fact that you're subscribed and you will get an extra entry into the giveaway that we currently have going on for a Malekith or Male Keith, as I've heard him called, or as my personal favorite is Meowlekith. I like that one a lot, so it'll be that guy, plus a Crimson Dynamo and Dark Star box in this giveaway here. So make sure to get your entries in for that, and we'll have a bonus entry coming later in this episode, so make sure to check that out. And without further ado... Let's jump in, and 
John, I'm gonna let you decide. Which character do we start with? I think we should start with Strucker, mainly because you know we've already referenced that I have a similar haircut. He also has a leadership with him, so let's just get straight in there. I love it. Okay, cool. So we're gonna start with Baron Strucker, and as always, the first thing we do is go and look at the model for these characters. And AMG doesn't have the cool, like, spinny, turnaround glamour shot on here yet that I always like to reference. But they do have a nice little, like, they're in a Hydra base hanging out shot. And uh, I got to say, I do like this model. It's, it's simple, but it's cool. And, like, the little fire hand thing he's got going on, I kind of like it. Oh, really like the look of a lot of the new Hydra models. Uh, Hydra? Yeah, it is Hydra, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So I'm really, really big fan of the new Hydra models. Uh, the Red Skull has a little bit, quite a lot going on. Um, Strucker and Arnim Zola, though, are both very simple. The pose on Strucker, they've not gone for anything too wild, too out there. It's very, very menacing in a way. I really like it personally. Yeah. John, what about you? I like it. I think if you can get a really cool paint job on the flaming glove hand stuff, I think it's going to set the model apart because the pose is fairly standard, fairly dull-ish. But I think that's where your attention is going to go. That's what they're hoping you can do some job with. And I think it'll look really nice on the tabletop. I think it's refreshing also, um, personally, just to not have a crazy leaping in the air or throwing a fireball pose as I like the Iron Fist model, but it is a bit much for me. So it's all I really like the um, Strucker model. It also very much just sums up Baron Strucker. He's there, he's menacing, he's about, but he's it not in his face. He's, yeah. he's at the back commanding yeah. stuff, throwing things around. I, I like it. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I know someone out there is going to do some like really cool like OSL coming off of that glove and stuff. Like It'll look awesome. I'm not going to do it myself because I do not have the skill, but I'm waiting to see somebody else absolutely smash it. Yeah, for sure. So now let's talk about this character card. And Aaron, I'll let you take the top stat line today. So for Baron Strucker, um, the stat line is for defenses first. He's four physical defense, three energy defense, and three mystic defense. So fairly middling. Um, The four physical is very nice. And it is overall above average, because if we move on to the next little bit of stats, he is a free threat character. So his defences are pretty solid. They're what you'd expect to see. Uh, luckily, he doesn't have one defence that's drastically lower than the others, as mm-hmm. we've seen with some of the new characters, where we have a character that has, say, two mystical, two physical. So very good defences overall. He has five health on the healthy side of his card. I don't think we've seen the injured side yet. Oh, no, sorry, we have. So he has five health there as well. Uh, he's size two. So much like many other man-sized um, models, a size two character is fairly reasonable. Does mean he's quite susceptible to pushes and throws, but it's what to be expected. He does have a medium move as well, so he's just about your average speed for a character of his size on his size base. Overall, yeah. pretty solid. Again, like I said, a little bit above average with that full physical defense, um, but there's nothing too wild going on here with his stats. Yeah, I think that it's it's basic stat line i like that we're seeing more kind of differentiation in the defenses with some of these newer characters you know we had the winter guard that were kind of like you know four mystic defenses and now we've got a baron strucker who is a three threat character with a four physical 
makes sense. I think that stuff's kind of cool. Other than that, he's kind of your bog standard three threat. But, you know, it's always fun to go over these these stat lines and see yeah. if there's any kind of interesting things we can find here. One thing you forgot to say, though, is he does have an alter ego name of Wolfgang von Strucker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. You gotta put the Wolfgang sauce on von Strucker it. is his alter ego. You got to put that sauce on it. Don't forget that. <laughs> that is true. I don't want to butcher it too much, though. Nah, nah, nah. You, gotta just, you just got to shoot your shot and just see what happens. Nice. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Wolfgang von Strucker. That, that's <laughs> the best you're going to get, Will. That is my uh, pronunciation of it. I'm not the best at these Perfect. voices. Nailed it. Nailed it. So, uh, John, would you like to cover his attacks, please? I would. So, first up, we've got Plasma Blast, which is a range three, five dice, zero cost energy attack. So, after this attack is resolved, this character gains power equal to damage dealt. And it also has a wild trigger of Incinerate. So, after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the Incinerate special condition. Not a massive attack for a builder. It's kind of Bog standard, range three, five dice, energy attack. The incinerate is quite nice. Yeah, I think that's the big thing there, isn't it, that sets it apart. Having incinerate on a build is really, really powerful. Yeah, so it's, it's quite nice to have that there. Um, I don't think it breaks anything, but it is a very nice kind of like builder attack for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, other than the range difference, that's Cable's attack. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Like... I mean, yeah, Cable's looking at that. I mean, Cable looks at a lot of energy attacks and feels sad, so. Yeah, and, you know, like, obviously, Cable's got the long range and everything, but it's one of those things where, yeah, putting that incinerate out there, and for those of you that might be new to MCP and not super familiar with some of the conditions and stuff, incinerate means that you roll one less defense die when you roll for defenses after being attacked. So, for instance, if Baron Strucker has the incinerate special condition on him and he gets attacked by an energy attack, he would roll two dice instead of three. Now, there are other effects in the game that can make you lose dice, but you can never go below one on your defense, yeah. even if you have stacking things to lose a bunch of dice. But I like this attack. I think it's it's simple. It's going to put that incinerate out there kind of sometimes, and you know you can't rely on it, but when you do hit it, it's going to feel real good. Yeah, I think it's a good builder. It's a solid attack. Next up, he has a physical attack called The World Is Mine. It is range two, strength seven, so seven dice, but it costs him four power. And then after this attack is resolved, this character removes one damage from itself for each damage dealt. Ugh. I love this. <laughs> I like the just instant ugh at the end of this. Go on, Will. What's that for? Well, all right. So I have some thoughts. Okay, y'all know that I've been playing Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme a lot, right? And it's he's got like the shining circle of the seraphim. He does the heal and all that stuff. If he rolls certain triggers and stuff, like I just wish yeah. that he could heal more reliably. Like this, like okay, it's a physical attack. It's range two. We're hitting the sweet spot of seven dice. So like, you know, there's there's a lot of things that have to go right, and you know, defense roll and all that stuff. But you should probably do three damage with this, give or take. I would say, yeah. like, I would be feeling good about three damage when I roll this attack. And being able to heal three from this character that only has five health on him to begin with feels really good. It does. I really like this attack for that reason. I think the amount of dice is in a really solid spot. And as you say, being able to heal back over 50% of his potential health 
fairly consistently. Yes, it's four power, but I'm fairly sure that's not going to be too problematic. I think he's a solid, solid spender attack. Aaron, what do you think about this one? So I'm going to counter slightly and say that I don't actually think it's that great. So four power for me is a big investment. Obviously, it's a very, I think the word's modular power system. You know, um, everything costs between one and ten power. However, the jump from three to four power for me is quite considerable just because a lot of other things are costed at two power. So you have to weigh up, you know, the fact you could be doing that twice as opposed to spending this four power in one go. When you look at other attacks that are similar to this, the first one for me that comes to mind is We Are Venom, uh, just because, you know, I use Venom all the time. Right. For three power, you get the similar attack, except it's range three. So for me, at least, this attack doesn't seem that phenomenal. It will be nice when you get it off, but only having five health as well means there won't be huge situations where healing three is going to be that impactful. You might have only overtaken one damage or you might have already been put onto your injured side. So I think it is a good attack. It's not as versatile, I think, as it is on a character with a higher health pool, but I can see why it's decent. I just, I'm not sure whether Ollie would be wanting to spend the full power very often to use it. Exactly. I mean, I, I do agree with you. Like I say, ugh, you know, and all that, and I make a big spiel about it. I do agree with you in that it is very situational when yeah. you get down into the minutia of like what's happening in a game and whatnot. But like, let's say you just kicked off a new round, you have priority, Strucker's sitting there and he's got three or four damage on him and he's in a kind of a bad position. You can feel okay activating him, spending the power, healing him up. I think, yeah. it, you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, every situation is different. And I agree yeah, with course. you, spending the four versus a three definitely feels worse than in general. But as we're about to go through his superpowers and stuff, you can kind of start to see that it's one of those attacks that, given the right situations, it might make a little sense. And being able to activate this character, heal up a little bit, and then you have some other stuff that, you know, there's a particular tactics card that's going to help keep this character alive. It, I think it all translates into a character that with a five health pool, if you're not one-shotting him, it's or you know, you're not taking him out quickly, it's going to feel a little uh, a little tough. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I agree with that entirely. And that's one of the reasons I think this is a really solid alternative attack for him to have. And I am going to skip ahead just a little bit because I do think since we're talking about this right now, it's worth talking about. He has an innate superpower called Healing Factor. So at the end of his activation, he has Healing Factor 1. He will heal one point at the end of his activation. So what that means is if you don't one-shot him and you give him power, then Exceptional Healing is online. Exceptional Healing is a tactics card that allows the character to spend three power to reduce the incoming damage to one. Isn't it just one? Yes. It is just one, yeah. Yeah. So, so in other words, if you've leave Strucker on two health, you know, if you take him to one health, then exceptional healing doesn't matter because he's still going to take one, right? But if you leave him on two health and you've given him some power, well, that's online. And then if Strucker gets a chance to activate and use the world as mine, potentially. Now, you know, power does weird things. You know, we don't know what situation the game is in, but if you have all the power that you can need to do the stuff and the things, I just think it's interesting. You know what I mean? And I think it 
it's one of those like little play patterns that maybe isn't obvious right away. And it's one of those things where I'm not going to just go out of my way to use the world as mine. But when I have the right situation and the right setup and like Strucker is like my leader or something and I really need him to stay alive, I think it's it's going to be really clutch. You know what I mean? It's just great to have access to. It's really, really, really strong. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it's one of those, these are these only two attacks. So we're going to be seeing a lot of Plasma Blast. I think that, you know, 90% of the time, that's what you're going to be doing yep. because you want to build that power with this character. But I, I do yep. feel like that there's some uh, fun and interesting things that we're going to see here open up as we go through Baron Strucker. So let's dive into the superpowers. What do you say, guys? Yeah, I'm on board. All right. So as John alluded to earlier, Baron Strucker is a leader of the Hydra affiliation, a brand new affiliation for us here. And he leads the Hydra High Council. So once per turn, after an attack made by an allied character is resolved, if the attack dealt damage, the allied character may use this leadership ability. Choose one special condition that the allied character has. If the defending enemy character does not have the chosen special condition, it gains it, and then the allied attacking character loses that special condition. Additionally, once per turn, when an enemy character gains a special condition, the allied character that caused the effect may remove one damage from itself. So that's a wall of text to basically say that if your, your friendly characters have some kind of condition on them, after they do an attack, they can pass that condition off to somebody else as long as they dealt damage. That's, that's the simple part of that there. Now, the interesting thing is it's after the attack is resolved. So you're not going to be able to like stun someone before the damage comes in and stuff like that. So everything has to be done and then boop, now you're rooted or boop, now you're stunned. Boop, now you're staggered. Well, I don't think actually stagger wouldn't work. Won't work with stagger, yep. sorry. That's the only one that wouldn't work. See, there you go. We're learning something new every day. Stagger wouldn't work. And the reason why is because the requirements for stagger are that your first action must be a shake action. So you can still actually do superpowers and stuff before you shake weirdly, but you your first action has to be a shake. And there's, I don't think any attacks that happen as part of superpowers other than like a charge, but that's an action. So again, first action, blah, blah, blah. So there you go. The the one time you will be able to pass off Stagger, um, I believe at least, is that if you counterattack before you activate. So people like Cybertooth, Venom, uh, even Daredevil, who yep. can counterattack. Uh, if they're staggered and they get hit by somebody, you can then give them the stagger back. There you go. There you go. So... I really like that. I think that leadership's really interesting. And then let's not forget, if you do pass a condition off, you're going to heal some damage, which is always good. Especially in our current world of no healing cards, really. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I think this is pretty cool. Aaron, what do you think about this leadership? Oh, I think this leadership is phenomenal. It's um, really tempting me into playing Hydra. 
um, just because it seems like the perfect home for Venom, just because <laughs> Venom can give a condition out in his turn and heal. He can counter-attack and give out a condition and then heal. You know, he, he's going to really, really like the healing and he's already tanky enough. As you've said, there's no longer much healing in the game. So I think any character that can give out these conditions um, and that he's reasonably tanky is going to love it. I think X-23 is another character going to absolutely adore this leadership uh, because she can give out the bleeds during her turn. She has healing factor herself. But much to what you were talking about earlier, if you don't kill the characters before they go, it's very likely they'll heal back to full health, which is just devastating, I think. Yeah, absolutely. John, what do you think? I really like it. I think it opens up some really funky and unique shenanigans in terms of how you can pass stuff off and things yeah. like that. Um, I mean, characters, we played a game today. Domino got shocked. Domino hates shock and wasn't going to attack until she'd found a way to remove it. With this, you can be like, actually, I'll just attack with three dice on a rapid fire because after the first one, if, if I get a smaller bit of damage through, I can just pass it off and then continue as normal. Um, I think the ability to pass them across is massive. And I think the fact that you can also remove the damage from yourself whenever an enemy character gains a special condition is just a phenomenal bonus on top. You can see why it's limited to once per turn just because of how strong it is innately just yeah. to having that as an ability. That's exactly it. Once per turn, but like you said, that can happen on like a Venom clapback turn. So I really like that. But John, yeah. I want to hit on something you said because I think you really hit the nail on the head. So when I read this, and I think when most people read this, they think to themselves, oh, well, now I want to try to get conditions out there onto everybody. But I think it's more about like, no, no, when people try to put conditions on me, now I have a chance to give them back to them. And, and like, I think that's yeah. like the interesting thing here. Cause like when I first read this and a lot of the discourse online, you know, on Facebook and on uh, the discord channels and all that stuff was, Oh, now we can really set up the condition game and I can bring all these characters that are going to be able to put all these conditions out there and all that stuff. I, I think it's more about the like, oh, well, well, hello, Crimson Dynamo, you just shocked me. Well, guess what? Now I'm shocking you back. And I'm no Yeah, and that's kind of where I see it at. The same with like Hex. Like everybody wants to Hex somebody else. Oh, but yeah. going into Hydra, you're going to have to be very careful who you pick to Hex because it could be a case of you Hex them and then next activation they go, that's not mine anymore. You've got that now. Exactly. And it becomes really problematic. Exactly. I think it's it's weirdly more defensive than offensive. Yeah, it definitely is. The big one for me, Will, is with bleed. Yeah. If someone gives you bleed, you then essentially have both your actions as an opportunity to get rid of it before you attack the damage from it. Oh, absolutely. Which is really cool. Yeah. I think that that bleed is a huge one because, yes, it's only one point of damage, but like it adds up, believe me. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's just... I think this is one of those things that we're going to have to see it on the tabletop and get used to it before we kind of are able to determine really how strong it is. Like, I think it's strong. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I don't think it's not good or anything like that. But what I mean is I think there's a lot of minutiae and patterns here that are going to come into play with how this works. And one of the things that I think is also interesting is because it happens during an attack, and the attack has to be resolved, I think it still suffers some of the problems that trying to play the condition game has always suffered, and that is, well, you could just spike roll your opponent off the board, and then it doesn't matter in the first place. 
That is true, but for me, at least in 90% of those situations, I think if that's happening, it's probably working towards your overall game plan anyway, most of the time. Yeah. But I can see why there might be times where you actually didn't want to die as a character, you just wanted to give them the condition, and then the spike really does hurt almost in giving the opponent new plays. Exactly. Exactly. So, next superpower we have here, or I guess the first superpower, because the leadership's not a superpower... Whatever, it's a superpower. It's an active superpower, though, and it's called Death Spore Virus. It's going to cost you yeah. two power. Other characters within range three of this character gain the special condition. Note, it says other characters. So that means allies will also gain the poison special condition with this particular superpower. It's going to cost them two power, and then within range three of him, he's poisoning people. Now, I read this and I think, hello, Omega Red's best friend. Yep. Yeah, I think that's what everybody thinks when they read this. Yeah. So Omega Red has a similar superpower called Death Spores, where whenever enemy characters end their activation within range two of him, they gain the poison special condition. Or at the end of this character's activation, enemy characters in range two of him gain the poison special condition. But what really makes it exciting is he has this ability called Death Factor. This character and enemy characters within range two of it with the poison special condition suffer two damage in the order of your choosing. So in other words, Baron Strucker can run up, give someone their poison condition, and then... You don't have to spend an activation getting that on there with Omega Red. You can just run up and immediately death factor somebody and take two damage. Who knows? I mean, I think that sounds awesome. Yeah, and something like Research Station, if you can send Strucker in first to set off the poison gas and then have Omega Red move into a position where he hits two or three characters, that's a lot of damage for not using an action. It's going to be really, really strong. Exactly. Exactly. Now, you know, and this is one of those things where like the poison special condition is another condition that it's it's not particularly powerful, but in conjunction with things like this, I think it's pretty good. And what the poison special condition is, it makes you lose a power during the power phase. So if you would gain one power, you end up losing that power. You still technically gain the power, then lose it. But it's it's a weird timing thing. But uh, yeah, you just lose a power during the power phase. So I think this is one of those, like, when you think about that synergy, that's where it gets interesting. But outside of that, I mean, it's still nice because then you can give your friendly characters the poison and then they can pass it off and heal. So I think there's some fun stuff there. Yeah, I think that's the one with it is I think usually with things like this, you don't want to give them to your teammates and you try really hard to avoid it and set things up. Whereas under Strucker's leadership, you don't mind if you catch one or two of your own teammates as long as you're in a spot where you know they can try and get it off onto somebody else. So you could technically spread it board wide if you hit somebody out wide, but then hit somebody else a little bit further to the left. You can just start spreading poison all over the place, which could be interesting. Oh yeah, for sure. So the next superpower we have is a reactive superpower. So it's going to have a trigger, it'll happen, and we'll tell you when here in a second. It's called Arrogance going to cost you one power when this character is attacking before rolling attack dice you may use this superpower so that's your trigger right there 
when you are going to attack, but before you actually roll your dice, you spend your power to do this. During this attack, add skull in the attack roll to the total number of successes for the attack roll. During this attack, add skulls, failures, in the defense roll to the total number of successes for the defense roll. So that's a really interesting bit of like risk it for the biscuit kind of thing, right? Because it's not that you're adding skulls in the defense to the attack successes. You're actually adding skulls for your attack successes, but also for the defender's defense successes. So it's a little bit of a weird thing. And I don't know about you guys. I don't see myself using this often. And John, I'd like your opinion on it. I quite like it. Um, you're talking to a man who doesn't have a great deal of success rolling dice generally. Um, I think one power is about right, because if I'm looking to potentially spend four for the world is mine or a couple of others to spread some conditions, I think if I'm really looking to pass a condition on to somebody else or I'm looking to try and heal one by causing some damage and giving them a condition, paying one to count some skulls that I might roll is probably worth it. Um, I think generally it's probably not going to be used by a huge amount of players because of the bonus it also gives the defender. Um, I can still see it having some uses on the table. I could see myself potentially spending on it, but I can generally see people just going, no, it's not worth it. I'm going to keep his power for other stuff. I mean, I will say, I, I say I'm not going to use it. I, it's one of those things. So these are all of his superpowers, death spore virus, and now arrogance. So he doesn't have a ton to spend his power on. My biggest thing with something like this is you're going to have those times where you are rolling your plasma blast and you have nothing but skulls and you're going to wish you had done it. But then you're also going to have those times where you paid for it and you're going to have a decent little roll, no skulls, but your opponent's going to have two skulls in their defense roll. I mean, that's my MO, honestly, is two skulls in the defense roll. It's like, oh, I got a crit. Let me explode it into another skull. Cool. And then you end up not doing any damage. So, like, that's kind of where I am with it. You know what I mean? Aaron, what do you think? I really like it. It's like a gambler superpower. I'm quite a fan. Um, not to get too into maths and bore everyone, but essentially this superpower does work in your favour based on the fact that you are rolling more dice 99% of the time than the defender um, with an attack roll. So when you do use this superpower, it is in your favour as it raises the bar of all ships, almost. Um, it increases your odds of success and the defenders. But the thing to remember here is that you're rolling more dice. So therefore, on average, um, you you get more work out of it. So if you're willing to take the gamble, I think seven, eight, maybe nine times out of ten, it's actually going to be rewarding. But as you said, there is a situation where you have a quite middling attack roll, your opponent has a really bad attack roll, but it's actually a good one because you've paid for their skulls. So I think, it, it, it again, it's very much a gambling game um, about whether you want to risk it. I personally would probably be using this this 90% of the time, except for in a situation where I need to guarantee, say, one damage, in which case I'd just leave it down to the normal dice. But I think it's worth using this just because as I've said, on average, the spike there is in your favor very much so because you are rolling more dice. Now, that's a good point. And 
in this game, the attacker pretty much always has the advantage. Like if you if there's no superpowers, no special stuff, attackers have advantages, right? That's just how it goes because of the way the dice faces work. Now, yeah, this here, you're you're still pressing that advantage a little bit. And I think to your point, you yep. made a really good one there, Aaron. You're not going to use this when you need to guarantee something because then that's when it goes off the rails. But like if you are just rolling your plasma blast and you're like, screw it, we're going to just, you know, I mean, you should have power for it at the end of the day. Like, you know, you you shouldn't be doing death spore virus all the time. You're not going to do the world is mine all the time. So, you know, I see that. I think if it's the top of turn two or three, where you've got a little bit of extra power lying around, but you don't have enough for say any big tactics cards or, you know, you don't really need to do world is mine yet. That's when you're going to be seeing this. And again, I think it's when you're not, it's when you're just doing an attack to try and do some damage, not when you know exactly what you're trying to achieve. So if you're attacking a character that's on full health, that's when you'll want to be using arrogance because you can't guarantee that you'll be dazing them, but you are increasing your odds of doing more damage. However, if that character's only got one health left, then you'd rather take the safe bet, which is not to use your arrogance uh, to stay level-headed and just do your normal attack. 100%. 100%. Because of the access to Incinerate, it again helps with that dice maths, helps to skew it in your favour, because you it's all about creating a bigger gap between the amount of attack dice to defence dice. That's where the strength of this superpower will come from. There you go. There you go. That's really insightful, so I appreciate that. The next superpower we have is an innate superpower that we have actually seen before, but it's just been a long time. Strategic Genius. This character and other allied characters within range two of it may re-roll one die in their attack or defense rolls. John, where have we seen this before? I believe we've seen this very regularly and all of the time on Baron Zemo. That's correct. So we've seen this before. It's really great. Strucker's going to get his own re-roll, and then other allied characters are in range two of him. They also get re-rolls on attack and defense. It's really good. Just period. It's good. Now, one thing that you need to know out there, Suits, is that you cannot stack strategic genii. I'm going to say genii because that seems good. That, yep, yeah, genii. You can't, you can't stack it because if you have a Baron Boys sitting there, then... You're only going to get the reroll for one of it because it is the same named superpower. So keep that in mind. But I love this. I think that's all we need to say about that. It's good. And then he has healing factor, like we said earlier. So exceptional healing online. Just quickly, Will, I just wanted to mention um, with Strategic Genius, again, not to bore everyone, but going back to Dice Maths, Zemo, the reroll is great on. Because, you know, you have a 5 out of an 8 success chance when attacking. Strucker, if you're using Arrogance, you have a 6 out of 8 attack um, chance. So that reroll is a little bit more potent on him. And again, really leans into what he wants to do, is he- which is heavily skew and abuse the opponent by just having it in your favor, which is what the reroll allows you to do. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah, I think that's really good. And uh, yeah, so now... Let's discuss affiliations. And John, where do you feel like Baron Strucker slots into other than his obvious home of Hydra? Yeah, I always struggle with leaders in terms of finding them another home because it feels like their leadership is kind of built into the entirety of their kit. 
Um, I think purely thematically, I think you can drop him in Cabal quite nicely. I think he's going to be generating some power, uh, which means you could maybe death spore a little bit more often if needed, but you can 100% be arrogancing all over the place with almost every attack. I mean, if you attack and then you spend the power for it and you'd only got one, but you deal some damage, you're gaining the power from the damage plus another one back. He's going to be generating power for days. And I think the ability to just count skulls for almost an entire game would be highly entertaining. Oh, it sure would. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? Uh, for me, there's a couple of places he's locked into quite well. The first one, just because of the synergy with Death Spores, is Winter Guard because you can give out the poison to your enemy characters and you don't need to worry about your characters as much because you do have the chance just to get rid of a condition at the start of every activation. Yep. That said, if you end up in a matchup where your opponent has lots of conditions to give out, it might actually not work very well because once you've got one or two or three conditions on a character, the Winter Guard affiliation and leadership isn't as good because you're still left with the others. Um, other than that, and again, going back to Dice Maths, the places I think he works really well are X-Force and Shadowlands Daredevil. Ah, you took really mine. Explore... <laughs> I was going to say Shadowlands Daredevil too. <laughs> oh, so I've just, just managed to sneak in before you. So X-Force and Shadowlands Daredevil, um, just to exploit that arrogance, add another re-roll. Because two re So you, you've got a five-dice builder. Let's assume you've given them incinerate um, from some source. So you're rolling five dice... Average end of defense is three, so they're down to two. So you're now rolling five dice with it in your favor because of skulls. You've got two re-rolls. It's going to be absolutely devastating. It's very much the same in X-Force. Um, arguably, there'll be a little bit more incinerate there because Cable can give it out as well. So you're just going to really punish your opponent. Yeah, so I want to take a second to talk about the Shadowland Daredevil thing because I think it's arguably the one that I think is the most potent because not only do you get the potential for the Shadowlands Daredevil re-roll if you're attacking an opponent that is contesting an objective and you get a re-roll there and then it can re-roll skulls. So like, you know, if you did arrogance and everything, like you want to leave your skull but then re-roll your blank or something, I think that's really strong. But not only that, you're also stacking a strategic genius there, right? So yeah. like, but, or not stacking it, but you're using strategic genius. So yeah, like you said, the two re-rolls thing, I love that. And then... When you think about that you've got a character like Omega Red, who's kind of been this enigma, if you will, like since he came out, right? Like he's not quite Venom, but he's also not bad. And he's, but he hasn't really had like the stuff to kind of really synergize in there. Like, you know, and we all know that Merzane just loves him. Again, make sure you send pictures of Omega Red, especially the tentacle area where it comes out of his arm. Send those pictures to Merzane. Just do that. Tag him at Merzane. Pictures of Omega Red. He loves it. So anyways, I digress. But I think that with Baron Strucker, you can say, okay, well, here's my four threat leader in Shadowlands Daredevil. Here's my four threat Omega Red. Boom, let me plop in a three threat Baron Strucker. And you don't feel too bad about that math for what it allows you to build out the rest of your team with. Okay, now you bring in a hood. You know, you bring in any other amount of characters that you can think of. I mean... You know, it is a heavy investment in terms of a four and a four and then all that other stuff. And I, I think that kind of the current version of Shadowlands Daredevil is, well, you want to have 
as many rapid fire and all this stuff. And sure, like I get that, but I definitely think that there is some other play here that we can slot in Baron Strucker for and make things work very interestingly. So yeah. I think what will be quite interesting is um, obviously the way they do affiliations. Uh, Omega Red is affiliated with Crim Syndicate, I believe. Yes, he is. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so I just wanted to say, I don't think it'll be, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that Baron Strucker might end up affiliated there. The only real thing stopping that is, you know, the sort of the way it would interact timeline wise from a thematic point of view, but he sort of has the right uh, sort of personality to, to be there. I feel as a character. Yeah, I don't know if he thematically fits that, but I could see it. But I think that it'd be wise for them to leave him off of that because yeah, I think that it... I think it, that's the thing they need to avoid just because it will be a bit too good. I think it could be really good, exactly. And uh, and yeah, so like, I know my normal tagline is, oh yeah, Web Warriors, but like, uh, you know, I, I don't think he does anything for Web Warriors. I don't think he does anything for the stuff I play Convocation, really, you know, in a real sense, you know what I mean? So like, you know... It's one of those things where I think Strucker is going to be like, he's going to splash in certain places and he's going to be very much playing with Hydra. Yeah. I, yeah. Th I think with Strucker, he's going to have places where he fits really well and places where he doesn't bring anything at all. As exactly. you said, talk with web warriors. He doesn't really offer me uh, as a webhead player, anything that I need access to. If anything, the poison is a big detriment because you know, it really hurts a team like webheads. So exactly. Again, I think, I think there'll be places he fits really well and places where he doesn't. One thing I have to mention that I think is it's one of those, like, it's probably too cute. It's probably not good, but it's cute, is to put him in Inhumans because they're immune to poison. That is true. Um, I could definitely see that as a thing, to be fair, because as you said, yeah, they are all, I think all of them are immune to poison. Everyone that is an Inhuman is immune to poison. He's, I don't think Ronan is, but I'm not sure how much you see him there anyway. Uh, fair. So yeah, definitely a cute idea to slot him in there and uh, see what happens with that. Yeah. But it's, humans need a whole lot of love before they just think about splashing any other characters. Yeah. And like I said, that's that's a cute thing, not a good thing. But either way. So I think that's all we've got for Baron Strucker. Any final thoughts, John? I really like Baron Strucker. I think his whole kit is solid. I think his model is lovely. I think a new affiliation with Hydra hopefully means that they look at splitting some stuff from Cabal and the stuff that just comes out as Hydra doesn't also go into the ever-growing generic bad guy list. Right. Um, I'm just excited to get struck on the tabletop and see how this all works, to be honest. Yeah, same. I think he's going to be kind of cool. And Aaron, any other final thoughts for you? Uh, I'm just going to go out on a whim and say oh, I think he's one of the best leaders we've got in the game. <laughs> I'm going to go oh, right yeah. out there. Yeah, there you go. Just plant the flag. I think he's class. I think he's really solid. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of him and a lot of Hydra. I think in October is when they come out. So yeah. it should be pretty fun. Next up, we're going to talk about Arnim Zola. So again, we're going to talk about this model first. Gotta say, I love it. It looks cool. It, I mean, it is comic book Zola tit for tat. I mean, he's, it's awesome. And I love the fact that they're including a little clear piece of plastic to put over the face chest, you know. And 
So when I first posted about this, I was like, oh, look, it's Marvel's Krang. <laughs> Even though Zola's been around a lot longer than Krang has, but still, I, I find that to be funny. It's an old school TV reference. I like that. Aaron's just gone, who's Krang? Which means he clearly no didn't idea. have a great childhood like the rest of us. I've got no idea who that is. What? Have you never watched the Ninja Turtles? Uh, He's oh, the guy in the big yellow suit with the weird little oh, brain like oh, tentacle monster in his chest. Oh, I think I remember. Uh, he appeared in Michael Bay's second Teenage Ninja. I think I okay. remember. I didn't recognize the name. New project for the suits is send pictures of Krang to Aaron or at <laughs> WWP Aaron on the Discord. No, Just tag him. I'm going to look forward to all of those. Yep. I'm sure if you crop them right, they'll probably look like something else as well at first glance. Oh, I'm sure they will. <laughs> yes, tentacle monsters in the belly aside, I'm excited for Arnim Zola, and I think this model looks cool. It's it's again, it's one of those. It's like it's a it's a simple model, but it's cool, and it, and it's worth noting he's on a 50 millimeter base here. So yes, yeah, I'm making some some bold statements today, Will. I want to go out and say that I think this is one of the coolest models we've got. I 100% agree. I, I think it's absolutely sick. 100. I I'm right there with you. I think it is. A very cool model for something that's like, it, it's not what you would call dynamic, but there's a lot going on, and I think it just looks awesome. I just really like the fact they've given us the sculpted face with a clear plastic yep. front, yes. rather than potentially choosing to go for a sticker or a transfer or something yep. a little bit weird. They've just gone, no, have it properly, have a clear plastic front, make it cool as hell, and just really go for Arnim Zola. Yeah, yep. it's, it's definitely the best way they could have done it. Completely agree. So let's now talk about his stat card and over to you, Aaron, for his top left stat line. So with Arnim's defenses, as I was talking about earlier, they do have a tendency to really shuffle up uh, the way they do the stat lines for some characters. And we see this here with Arnim Zola as his physical defense is only two. However, his energy defense is three. And then finally, his mystic defense is four. So he's almost a reverse of Venom. I guess. In, in Venom's in, four physical. Two, well, he's two energy and three mystic. But the same numbers are floating around there. It's a very interesting <laughs> stat line. Yeah. Um, it's risky because physical is still the most common attack in the game. We've seen a big surge in energy, big surge in mystic. But I do still think physical is the one you see the most. So it's going to be risky taking this guy into certain matchups, especially ones like Brotherhood. However, he does come in with six health which is quite chunky, especially when you consider the fact that he is only a free threat character. Uh, talking of chunky as well, he's size free, so not as susceptible to throws as some of the smaller characters or pushes. And then lastly, as you mentioned, he is on a 50 mil base, which helps a little bit with the fact that he's only movement short. But again, the 50 mil base does help to mitigate that. You've seen it on characters like Venom, uh, characters like Crimson Dynamo as well. It's not the end of the world, just because they do still have quite a lot of range. Because for those that don't know who might be newer to Marvel, when you measure movement in this game, you don't measure, say, back to back. You me measure from the front of the base to the back of the base. You get, essentially, the width of your base in addition to your movement. Exactly. Exactly. So it definitely makes him get around a little better. But one of the interesting things that you mentioned is he's size 3. Now, unfortunately, characters like Shuri... Black Panther, and some of these other things that originally had size unrestricted pushes, they now can cap out at size three. So while 
characters like Valkyrie can't throw him anymore because it's size two or stuff like that. It's he's still going to be hard to displace, but not yeah. as hard as you might think. So definitely have to keep an eye on that. And it's also worth noting suits that on his injured side, nothing changes. Everything that we're going to go over is exactly the same. So yes, from- six and six for a three threat. That's pretty chunky. Yeah. He's a chunky boy. He's a thick boy. He's thick. So yeah, the two physical defense, definitely a little scary, but I think we're going to have some fun things to talk about with this character here in a second. So John, please take it away on the attacks. Okay, so his first attack is a physical attack called Prototype Weapons. Is it a physical attack, though? Is it, though? I'm bearing the lead. Continue. I mean, it's listed as a physical attack. Exactly, exactly. It's a physical attack. Yeah. From a distance, it looks like he's punched you in the face. So it is Prototype (laughs) Weapons. It is range four, four dice, zero cost. So before choosing a target, this character chooses whether this attack's type is physical energy or mystic oh my god i love it it's just bonkers after this attack is resolved this character gains one power so it is a static builder but i don't think that's too much of a problem no and on a wild you get hydra ingenuity after the attack is resolved for each wild in the attack role the defending character gains one of the following special conditions bleed shock slow or stun nice nice so this attack, I I really like it. Like, okay, it's four dice. Y'all know I do not like four dice attacks. However, being able to target the weakest defense, and look, if somebody's three, three, three across the board, cool. But we like we said earlier, we've seen a lot of kind of different things coming out. And so being able to say, oh, you've got a two energy defense, cool. Well, here, we're gonna roll against that. And then cool, he gains his one power. If he rolls a wild, which is, you know, not great odds. But still, being able to shock someone, being able to stun someone, slow, bleed, all of that, I think is really nice. I think this is just a pound-for-pound pound good attack and a decent attack. Let me remember, decent attack. Now, we're going to see some superpowers that might make it a little better, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But, Aaron, what do you feel about this one? I think it's phenomenal. I really, really like it. Um, it is only four dots, as you said. But the access to all of those different conditions is really, really strong. Shock, as John and I saw earlier, can absolutely cripple certain characters. Because four dice is about the minimum you ever want to be rolling on attack. Yep. So if you give out shock to someone with rapid fire, you really hinder what they're able to do. Oh, yeah. Um, just the versatility that as a free threat character, he can pick your lowest defense. It's going to make him so useful in certain matchups. Convocation springs to mind for me. Um, making the energy on their ironbound books turns. Not only that, but you mentioned characters that have free, free, free defenses you don't get a lot. However, if you look at things like Spider Sense and uh, Martial Artist, you actually do get quite a big difference there because you can choose Mystic, for example, to get around that um, damage mitigation defensive tech. And really, any defensive tech in the game, you've got the best option to try and deal with it because you choose which defense you're hitting. Um, and in turn, that sort of chooses what superpowers they can use in response. Exactly. You nailed it on the head right there. Yes, it's only four dice, but being able to kind of get around some of the little gotchas, I think is just so good. And I feel like the conditions are just like the icing on the cake. Yeah, 100%. I mean, bleed, really solid. 
slow and stun, really quite powerful. Slow, you know, we love it as webheads. Shock is the big one for me. You don't see it that much. And I think people really undervalue how powerful it is. But if you get shock on some characters, it really, really nullifies them into the ground. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, I... as we mentioned, rapid fire. Hate shock with a passion. Yeah. I think we've meant uh, we've mentioned shock a few times without kind of going over exactly what it does. But shock takes away an attack die from your opponent. So basically, uh, if Zola here has shock on him with prototype weapons, he'd be rolling three dice. Slow it makes their movement speed slow. Stun they only gain one power instead of whatever amount of power they would gain from certain effects. From any so, given effect. Exactly, any given effect. That's the important part. So. Lots of good stuff on here. John, what's the next one? So the next one is an energy attack called Focused ESP Box Blast. It is range three, six dice, two power. If the attack deals damage after this attack is resolved, this character may advance the target character short. And there is a wild trigger of slow. So after the attack is resolved, the target character gains the slow special condition. Oof. John, I want to get your opinion on this. I did another oof because this is super good, but I want to hear what you think first. I really like this. I think two power is perfectly feasible given the fact that prototype weapons, which we've already discussed how good it is, is a static builder for one power anyway. So at the top of turn two, if you've spent a power interacting with something, you could always prototype weapons and then you are automatically online for a focused ESP box blast. Um, I think advancing the target character short is just amazing. It is a great way to move people off points. It is a great way to set people up for maybe Strucker to hit them with a poison or to walk them into somebody else's attack range. It's just a really solid trigger. And yes, it has to deal damage, but with six dice, the chances of that are pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and then slow is just great on a large number of characters. Somebody like Black Panther or Spider-Gwen or Amazing Spider-Man, anybody that moves long is really going to hate this. And the fact that you can advance them short and then slow them is just going to be great. That, I think, is the interesting thing about it. It's the, oh, well, now you're going to move away or wherever I want to move you, but mostly away in how I play. And then, oh, by the way, yeah. now you can't get back because you're slowed. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's going to be a really nice attack and a really nice suite of triggers to get off. I completely agree. And uh, Aaron, what do you think about it? I think it's really, really good. Um, range free, sweet spot for me, uh, especially on these bigger bases, really, really good range. Uh, two power is so cheap when you think about it. And for the fact that you get to advance a character if you deal damage, really, really powerful. Um, for a free threat, I think he brings a lot of interesting tech. The slow, again, much like his builder, is icing on the cake for me. Um, it's a it's really solid condition, especially on a turn where you've played something like all webbed up, where yep. it's just going to be devastating. So I really, really like both of his attacks on this character card. Me too. I, I think that it's it's one of those, like, when you first look at it and you kind of look at, like, the dice pool and all that stuff, you're like, it's okay. But then when you kind of, like, really start thinking about the things that these attacks allow you to do, I think it gets to be very interesting and and yeah. definitely creates like one of these characters that's definitely got, you got to put some thought into. You might say he's a finesse character, like we used to say back in the day, you know, yeah. at, at least so far. And I think one of the other things, sorry, Will, um, just to say as well, 
is if you are targeting a character who is just inside of three, so they're already quite far away from you, uh, you advance them slow away and give them a slow condition, it makes it really hard for them to get back into the action. Oh, definitely. And, and then, I mean, you know, it's an objective game, right? So you, yeah. you know, you don't necessarily have to move Zola up, but you can activate Zola. He can move someone away short, give them slow, and then go stand on an objective. And, or just go to the other side of an objective, and then it makes it that much harder for that opponent to clap back. And I love that kind of stuff. And another fun thing here is, you know, you talk about a character that you love so much in, like, Venom, as an example. He's got his clap back. Or it, Sabretooth's a bad example, so I'm not going to use him. Uh, Daredevil also has a clap back. So you could focus ESP Blast someone at that fringe of range 3. You don't have to be scared, necessarily, of the Venom clapback with something like this. In that kind of a matchup, like, if I see my opponent has a Venom and I have a Zola, I feel good about that. Yeah, it's also really useful for characters. We don't, we haven't seen any release recently, but people like Black Widow, Taskmaster, Baron Zemo that have super Counter-Strike, because you can push them out of range of that as well. Oh, absolutely. So, speaking of superpowers, let's dive in here on Zola's superpowers. His first superpower is an active superpower, so it happens during the active character's turn. Experimental enhancements. It's going to cost you three power. During the next attack made by this character this turn, add two dice to its attack roll. After the attack is resolved, if the attack roll contains any failure results, so skulls, this character suffers one damage. So if you're doing the math at home, experimental weapons for three power allows you to roll six dice. I think that's pretty good. It's a little expensive, and I think it makes perfect sense when you think about, like, you know, the skulls taking a damage. You know, we've seen this is the going rate for adding two dice. Now, the problem, quote-unquote, is that you're unlikely to have a lot of power to do this early, but as you kind of get into the game a little bit, I think the power shall flow and you will be able to do this a little more often and when it matters. John, what do you feel about this? I like it. I think it's, as we've just said, three power doesn't mean it's there all the time. But I think with prototype weapons and the ability to pick somebody's weakest defense, if you've really got to get a target off the board, I think three power to add two dice and yes, you take one damage, but I think if you're looking to remove somebody from the board, it's well worth it. Six dice, you can potentially hand out a ton of conditions. If you don't get them off the board, you're still going to power back if you put it on prototype weapons. It's a solid superpower. And I think with six health this side, six health the other side, one damage isn't the end of the world if you roll any skulls. Yeah, and if you have already taken a little bit of damage, as long as you're not going to daze or KO from the one damage on experimental enhancements, I think it's very worth it a lot of the time to do this, you know, or even if you're doing it on a focused ESP blast, making sure you really get that damage through. Like, I think it's best on prototype weapons. Like, if you really need it, it makes sense to spend five power, experimental weapons. Like, like he's a couple of damage away from being KO'd or something and you want to maximize his turn. I mean, go for it, right? Yeah, and I think that's what this superpower is for, is to maximize that damage output when it's really needed. I don't think you're going to do it to try and fish for damage. 
on fully healthy characters. But I think if you've really got to finish somebody off, this is where the power is going to be spent. Absolutely. Aaron, how do you feel about this superpower? I absolutely adore it, Will, because <laughs> when you look at Arnim Zola's character card at first, he's a free threat character with two different attacks. However, in reality, with this superpower, he's a free threat character with four different attacks because you now have the baseline prototype weapons that you can do. You have a free cost attack that is a boosted prototype weapons. You then have a two cost attack that is a focused ESP blast. And then you have a five cost attack that is a experimental focused ESP blast. I like it makes it. him really versatile. Yeah, I like it a lot. I think, yeah, you, you, that's, a, that's a really insightful way to look at it. Inside the mind of Aaron. That's right. Indeed. So, Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Oh, well, I got to get through the dreads first. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's... Dark and dangerous place in there, Will. But <laughs> honestly, that's how I look at it. it. It means he's got four attacks, essentially, to choose from. Um, he's got an attack that costs nothing, one that costs two power, one that costs three power, a big one that costs five power. That's how I've looked at it. It really, really pushes some of these basic attacks over the edge. I just think it's really, really powerful to have. Yeah, absolutely. I I'm right there with you. So the next superpower we have is a reactive superpower called... Hydra Engineering. It has a power cost equal to X. So another one of these that cannot be reduced by the standard Steve Avengers leadership. While this character or another allied character within range four of this character is attacking or defending during the modified dice step of the attack, this character may spend up to three power to use this superpower. So that all of that line right there is the trigger for when you can do this. When you or another character that's within range four of Zola is attacking or defending, when it comes time to modify things, boom, do the superpower. For each power spent, this character or the allied character may reroll one of their attack or defense dice. So I really like that. It's basically the same thing we've seen on Modok or Shuri, that kind of stuff. Love it. After the attack is resolved, if the attack roll contained one or more failure results, the allied character gains the bleed special condition. So this one is very interesting, and I'd have to maybe do a little research on the timing for this. So I want to talk about the bleed part before we go on any further. So like we said with Baron Strucker, if you have a condition and you do some damage, you can place that out there. Now... If you're like, let's say you're doing a second attack and Hydra Engineering was used onto, say, a Strucker and, and you're using Strucker's leadership. If you do that second attack, you have a failure result, but you've already got the bleed condition. You don't gain it again. And then after the attack is resolved, you can use Strucker's leadership to put that out there. But let's say you have the bleed condition after, you know, you, you get it after that first attack and this is all going to sound really weird, so just bear with me. You get Hydra Engineering bleed on that first attack. You pop it off and send it over to somebody else. I'm doing this wrong. I'm already confusing myself. I so, think I know what you mean, Will. Yeah. What you, I think what you mean is if you have bleed on you from your first attack, and then with your second attack, you do an attack into the enemy character where you give them your bleed but you've used Hydra Engineering, the question is, would you then gain bleed again afterwards? You know, thank you for covering my long-winded explanation with a way better way to do it. <laughs> no, it's okay. Or would you gain bleed 
before you pass your one off, which therefore means you wouldn't get it because you already have it. Right. Um, I think it's an interesting timing conflict. I'm not entirely sure so, if I'm being totally honest. I think the way the timing works, and feel free to let me know if this is incorrect, and I will try to get some clarification at some point, that the way the timing works is you choose the order of effects as the attacker. I think yeah. So you can say, all right, well, I'm going to gain my bleed, and then I'm going to immediately give it over to you. You can do it in that way, I think. Well, that's my reading of it because they're both after the attack is resolved. Exactly. So you would get to pick which one came first as you've got priority and you're the yep. attacker. So I assume, unless AMG say otherwise, that that is exactly how that would work. Yeah. I don't want to go out there and say that that's definitely how it works. However, I am fairly confident that that is indeed how it works. Same. And I think that that's the interesting part of this is when you think about that synergy with Strucker is, okay, I'm going to use Hydra Engineering. like, And you could even say, hey, I'm going to roll in my attack dice pool. You see a skull in that initial roll and you can say, okay, well, I'm going to use Hydra Engineering, just re-roll one, cool. And now you gain the bleed, you did one damage, boom, the opponent has bleed now. Like I think like that kind of thing is like that weird little trying to figure it out and time it in that way of like, okay, well, you know, maybe you had a damage on you, so you give them the bleed and then you heal that damage from Strucker's leadership. You know what I mean? So like, I think that that kind of yeah. stuff is super interesting with how this superpower is worded. The rerolls are great. Like, let's not overstate the fact that the rerolls are great. Like, this is a great superpower for a character like this to have. But like, when you start thinking about the things that, that Strucker can do with it, I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I'm almost convinced that AMG have put this little bit of text on the bottom for that reason, because it plays into that leadership, so it gives Zola another home rather than him being splashed everywhere with that wonderful modified ice in his attacks. Yeah. It puts him back into Hydra going, actually, there's a neat little synergy here that works with the leadership. He's probably best in there. Yeah, and I think that, to your point, it also kind of gives you some pause if you are putting him in the splash, you know what I mean? Like you have to like, okay, well, we're going to be handing out bleeds to everybody. Yeah. And I think that's it. I think Shuri does a similar job, but doesn't put out any kind of real damage. Whereas Zola does. Exactly. But if you go in for the reroll, she's not going to cause you to suffer bleed. Whereas Zola might, I think it's quite nice in that sense. I think the important thing to note here is that Shuri gives you rerolls, but all she really does other than that is a control piece. Yep. Whereas Zola gives you rerolls, And he also is, Probably smashing someone's face. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, oh, alongside yeah. that. So they serve different roles, but still give out re-rolls each, which is really useful. It is. And the next two superpowers we have, we have two left. They are both innate. So first up, Scientific Hubris. We've seen this on Doc Ock. Whenever this character rolls dice, after the effect is resolved, it gains one power if it rolled at least one critical. I love this. Because when you read prototype weapons, it's a single static gainer, like you said, John. So being able to get that crit and get that extra power, I think is going to be huge for this character. Bonkers. You know? Yeah, I really like this on Zola. And then his other innate superpower is he is immune to bleed and poison. So he can't be poisoned by Strucker's death spores thing. 
and then he can't be bled by his own Hydra engineering. I love it. I think stuff like that is so cool. Yeah, it it just plays further into the synergy that I spoke about a minute ago between these two, and I think it's a really nice way for them to be looking at designing characters. Yeah, absolutely. So, Aaron, I'm going to start with you. Other than the obvious Hydra Strucker love fest that these two are going to have, where does this character go? Give me one so you don't take mine. I'll give you one. It might be yours, though, and it's going to be Web Warriors. See, I'll let, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that because I've got another one. Nice. Arnim Zola, I think, is absolutely class in Web Warriors. There's such a nice little weird interaction with his re-rolls with Hydra Engineering because you roll your dice and then he can give you re-rolls. But whilst you are a Web Warrior, if you're holding or contesting an objective, you get to re-roll skulls. So Miles Morales, for example, um, on defense, he can use Arnim Zola's re-roll. And then say he gets a skull, he can re-roll that away with another re-roll. Or he can do it the other way around. So you don't have to worry that much about the bleed. I think he's absolutely great there. And I'm really excited to be using him there. See, I think that's really interesting because while I do think he's got some play in Web Warriors... You know, I tried oh, for a while to play Hawkeye in my Web Warriors to try to apply the slow before all webbed up to as many people as possible, then all webbed up, then beat the crap out of them. And yeah. I feel like that maybe that's the same kind of thing that we'd be looking at here with Zola in the Web Warriors, whereas like you mentioned Shuri as an example, I think Shuri plays that control game that Web Warriors like a little better, but I, but I know you play it a little differently, so... I don't. I'm not saying I disagree with you because I do think that Zola has that play in Web Warriors, but I think it. I think he kind of helps your bad matchups as opposed to kind of turning up your yeah, good matchups. Definitely. Does that make sense? Definitely. Yeah, hundred and ten percent. He helps you in a situation where you're forced into a brawl. I think. Yes. Um, not what you always want to be doing as Web Warriors. Don't get me wrong. You can play it that way, but if you're not. Wanting to play that way, Arnim Zola is a character that can help to cover over some of the gaps and cracks and fix some of the problems you'll have. Yeah. Which I just think is really, really powerful. For me, the fact that he gives out slow in terms of the way interactive all webbed up is just a bonus. Um, it's not that that is the reason I'm taking him. It's more the versatility of his builder, the fact that he's a character with essentially four different attacks, um, and the fact he can really do some some funny shenanigans with rerolls <laughs> with skulls um, when you're allowed to. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm going to take the next one, John, and then I'll throw it over to you. So for me, and I'm sure you saw this coming a mile away suits Zola, just one, two, three, plug him in to my convocation list. I, I'm definitely doing that so much <laughs> because Okay, not only does he have the two physical defense, so it's on theme, but he has a four mystic, so on your books phase, you're going to get a better defensive value. But when you look at something like prototype weapons, being able to choose it as a mystic attack, that opens up your leadership for your re-roll. So, for instance, if I am attacking someone that doesn't have a activated token, I can re-roll one die with a mystic attack. Boom. Re-roll in there plus Hydra Engineering, right? Love that. And then also, you've got the Plane of Poldock Tactics card. So when I absolutely positively need to kill somebody, 
I play playing a Poldock, and now I'm re-roll any on prototype weapons, as long as I make it Mystic. Love that. And then being able to shock my opponent, potentially, with little Hydra Ingenuity. Love it. Being able to play that little bit of control with Focused ESP Box Blast. That is a mouthful, by the way. Focused ESP Box Blast. <laughs> like, it's a lot. And then... I also, to your point, Aaron, about one of the reasons why you like him in your Web Warriors is the Hydra Engineering being able to give out those re-rolls, right? I really like that, and he can ramp up that damage when he needs to, and being able to say, okay, here, here's a re-roll, Mordo. Okay, fine, you'll get bleed, but whatever. Re-roll some stuff, do that damage. I, I, I just, I'm kind of here for it. I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And again, it's on brand for the two, three, four defenses. Like, just for that alone, he would be in my convocation, right? But I think there's actually some fun little synergies there. And again, it's one of those things where I don't think he's going to be in like every match, but in the bad matchups, in the, in the, maybe the brawly stuff, like, I could see it being really useful. So, John, what about for you? I can see him slotting into some criminal syndicate lists. Oh, yes. And I don't, I don't think it even matters if it is Shadowlands or Kingpin, because I think for two power, the ability for him to advance somebody off of a secure point so that another character can move on and counters two, or he's already there, so it ends up being 1v1, and you obviously, under Kingpin's leadership, take the win on that one, is just massive. And then in Shadowlands Daredevil, the ability for him to hand out additional re-rolls on top of the additional re-roll if somebody is contesting an objective or holding an objective is just absolutely solid. And as we've said, the ability for him to pick somebody's weakest defenses to try and chunk somebody down a little bit further is just massive. I love it. I love it so much. I think I think he's to be solid. And, and I think that this is one of those characters that Try him in different places, splash him all around, because I don't think you'll be disappointed having him splashed nope. pretty much anywhere. Honestly, for me, he's one of the best free threats we've had in a long time. He's really, really good. Yeah, he's he's very solid. And, and I think he's one of these, like, this is a well-balanced character. You know what I mean? I think. Yeah, So. Absolutely. And I, th I think some of his strengths are negated by his two physical defense, and I think that's probably good. Yeah, 100%. Oh, absolutely, just yeah. Throw things at him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Just throw stuff at Zola, and then he keels over. But, I mean, look, the glass is going to shatter on his chest piece at some point, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, now I want to talk a little bit about a couple of the tactics cards that come with these characters, the scientific method, and the high council. So, let's start with the scientific method. It is a Hydra-affiliated card, and it is an active card. So it has to be played during the Hydra player's turn. But you can only take this with Hydra. It's a very important thing, because if you could take it anywhere, this would be insane. It's only Hydra. Arnim Zola may spend two power to play this card. Note, it does not say that it has to be his activation. Just Zola has to pay the power, and it has to be the Hydra player's turn. Choose another allied character that is threat value 3 or less within range 3 of Arnim Zola. The chosen character suffers 2 damage. For the rest of the game, the chosen character may use 
the ESP leakage attack and gains the unnatural mutation superpower. So, what are those two things? ESP leakage is a mystic attack, range two, six dice for one power. It has a special effect before damage is dealt. The target character suffers one damage for each skull in the defense roll. So, conceivably, you could KO or daze somebody just on the skulls in the defense roll alone before you actually add up your successes. It's a range two, six dice attack for one power. Mystic. Then you have the unnatural mutation innate superpower. When an enemy character targets this character with an attack, this character adds two dice to its defense roll unless the attacking character pays two power. That's a lot. This card says a lot of words. But this superpower, or this card, this, this tactics card, it's hydra-affiliated, but guess who it's going to go on? X-23, and she's going to destroy people. Yeah. Free South here saying yes, X23 loves this. Yes. Honestly, she's almost a five threat character with those upgrades, I think. It's insane. insane. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, if she hasn't activated yet, she heals the damage that she takes from the card alone off at the end of her activation. Right, so good. <laughs> Paying two additional power to stop her with the dice is just probably not worth it. You would imagine most of the time when you look at X23, but you're going to have to pay it. Or you're unlikely to get a lot of damage through on her with her assassins training rerolls and stuff so, as well. She becomes a monster. Lizard isn't too bad a shout with this, with his healing factor and yep. his strong defenses anyway. I've got a sleeper character for this will. All right, who you I'm got? Gonna, I'm, I'm gonna let you know. I'm gonna let you in on this weird idea that I had. So I think this card is absolutely insane on Mysterio. Oh yeah, no, I think Mysterio could be a lot of fun. Because you have the turn where you play the Grand Illusion, for example, turn their crits to skulls and they take damage for them. Yeah. And if they're hitting you, they have to spend two power minimum or you're rolling seven defense dice. Ooh. Yeah. No, that's that's sleeper good. I like that. I also like it. Any character where it's like that or like Enchantress, I think that could be a lot of fun. You know. Definitely. The the Space Maw, Meemaw, as I like to say, is out there in the wild. That's another one where it's like, you can do it, and it would be disgusting and awesome. Sadly, to... though, they're too expensive. They're five and four fret, respectively. Um, Ebony Moor and Enchantress. Oh, dang it. Thing. I've, I've, yes, see, I, there I go. I didn't even, it's, you gotta have a three threat. So, yep, my bad. Yeah. I honestly uh, think that this is so bonkers. See, there I go. Here. Wanting to live the dream. You know, sometimes they're like, see, this is, I'm like, how can we break this? How can we, where, where are we going to break it? Oh yeah, that's right. We can't because yeah. the card won't let us do it. <laughs> yeah. I think Domino is another one. Yeah. Your crits don't count and you're having to spend two or I'm rolling extra dice and it's going to start to feel horrible trying yeah. to put any damage through on it. It's just bonkers good, man. It's so good. Yeah. And for I, me, honestly, it's Mysterio though. Mysterio, the fact that you have, when you attack him, if you spend two power, he's still rolling three or four. If it's, say, um, a physical attack, you spend two power to ignore his mystic thing and he's still rolling three dice. Mm -hmm. It's crazy good. 
Yeah. If you if it's a mystic attack and you spend two power, he's still rolling five dice. It's absolutely insane. It's so good. Yep. I love it. And I love how all of the discussion about this is mainly about the unnatural mutation superpower and not the attack. Like the attack is good, but it, it's really about that superpower. Oh, it's one hundred percent for the pack. If the attack wasn't on there, you would still spend it just for the unnatural. I think yes. the attack's really strong, and I think, as I said, Mysterio is is the one for this, just because it's absolutely bonkers what this opens up for in both the attack and the superpower. It's so so good. Yeah, I mean, I... you imagine walking up with your character, and going right. I'm going to do a five dice attack into you, and you go, okay, cool. I'm rolling seven defense dice. Base. It's it's just insane. It's so no, good. it's it's super gross. It's uh, and it's so good that like hearing a character like that talk about because for me it, it's it's one million percent X twenty three. I just think that that is just insane. Or another character that I think you could very reasonably use this on is Strucker. Like let's not forget the yep. guy that's the leader that Arnim Zola is gonna be hanging out with most of the time. Strucker would love this. And it does mitigate his arrogance because even when they block with their skulls, they take damage. Exactly. It's so good. Exactly. So like the the there's so many places that this is gonna be good within Hydra. And you know, I like the X twenty three play, you like Mysterio, there's Strucker out there. I just think that it's it's all it's a whole thing. And yeah. the next and final tactics card we're gonna talk about today is the High Council. And this one is, I think, fun, and I know everybody out there again on the interwebs was trying to find a way to like make this happen. So it's a Hydra-affiliated card. It is active. And this is the interesting one. If all of the following conditions are met simultaneously, an allied Hydra character may play this card. So this is just so weird, and bear with me. Johann Schmidt is not dazed and has six or more power. So that is Red Skull, either version. And we haven't done our review of Master of Hydra yet, but we will soon. So, Johann Schmidt is not dazed and has six or more power. Arnim Zola is contesting a secure objective. Wolfgang von Strucker is not dazed and is within range two of two or more enemy characters with the poison special condition. Helmet Zemo has dazed or KO'd an enemy character this round. So those are your four conditions. They all have to be met simultaneously. So Red Skull with the power, Zola on a secure, Strucker within two of two or more enemy characters with poison, and Zemo dazed or KO'd an enemy. Place an unused character of threat value or, or less, from your roster within range two of this character. It is now part of your squad. So you just get to bring in a new character, and yeah. I, I gotta say, this is going to be hard as hell to pull off. But, when it does, oh lord, is it gonna feel real good. John, what do you think of this card? I really like the card. I don't think it's as difficult as it may look on the surface, scenario dependent. I think some of those are very easy to pull off, maybe at the start of turn three. 
And I think the ability turn three or turn four to drop in a threat four character like maybe a Venom or a Vision or somebody like that that is just going to be an absolute pain as a freebie to try and deal with is great. I look at it and I think it is super powerful. I think it is difficult, but I don't think it is a trick card similar to the ones we saw with Mr. Sinister like cloning banks where it kind of takes away from other things that he does. This is there. You're going to be doing most of these things with characters anyway. I think it's quite feasible to get off every few games, if you want me to be perfectly honest. Interesting. Okay. So, Aaron, what do you think about this card? And then we'll talk about ways to make this happen or mitigate it. I absolutely adore this card. I think it is so, so, like, interesting funky, unique, and just amazing. And the only thing I hear, John beat me to the punch a little, but the only thing I hear is free Venom. <laughs> free Venom. That is so, so good. Yeah. Honestly, it's bonkers. I don't think it is as hard if you really play into it. I think the important thing is the combination of crisis you're playing on. Yeah. Because getting this off on something like Research Station is going to be considerably easier than it is on something like Super Power Scoundrel. So I think that is is the first thing you need to look at. But once you've got that in your roster, I think what makes this card so strong is your opponent is going to fixate on it. Yeah. If you have a character meeting just one of those conditions, your opponent needs to immediately be trying to get rid it's to stop that. Because otherwise they're risking such a huge skew. Because the characters required for this, unless I'm wrong, is 13 threat worth of characters. Yeah, or 14, 14, because of the Johann Schmidt Master of Hydra as a 5 threat. Yeah. If you take the cheaper Red Skull and you're playing at 16 threat, then you're going 5 wide already, because you've got the 4 characters you need for this, plus, say, X-23 or Mysterio, who mm -hmm. are already jacked up as well. If you can bring in a Venom or a Vision or any 4 threat, even if it's Daredevil, and you bring them in, you're suddenly playing 20 threat into 16. It's absolutely bonkers. And I don't think it's that difficult. I think you can do it quite feasibly. See, I think this is a lot harder than people think because I agree with you in that if you, let's say you see a Johann Schmidt sitting there with six power, right? Yeah. Well, you have to make a choice. Go after the days or try to break it up in another way. And it's one of those things, this is not going to happen round one. Now, it could happen round two. I, I, I mean, I guess it could happen round one if dice go crazy. You know, Zemo... Right. The Zemo dazing people is, I think, the hardest part of this because that's so dice dependent. Right? It is. But if you think about it, it's like Strucker and Schmidt both have to not be dazed and meeting conditions. So, you know, Strucker just has a superpower. He walks up, he pops the superpower, and then boom, two or more people have the poison condition. But he has to be within range two of them, whereas his superpower is range three. So again, to your point, Aaron, it has to be on certain scenarios. Like, I do not think this is something that is going to see the table in every single scenario. But like, if you're playing on Gamma or something the right kind of secure, then yeah, put this in your squad. But you also have to think of like the opportunity cost of it 
And we don't know what every other Hydra tactics card is, but like if you bring this, you're maybe not bringing something else that you could pretty reasonably need. You know what I mean? And let's yep. not forget, so Zola, it says Zola is contesting a secure objective. So a dazed model does not contest a secure objective. So if Zola's dazed, he is not contesting a secure objective. So like, there's a lot, lot that goes into this. And I agree with you. It's super powerful when it happens. It is bonkers when it happens. But I think that there is a lot of ways to disrupt this that, yes, what this does, what this does is like if I am playing into someone that has this card and they've already met one or two of the conditions, well, now I'm focusing more on stopping the high council than playing the objective. And that, I think, in and of itself has value. And I think that might be what happens a lot with this card is it starts to look like it could go off and you're going to start to see people move away from their original goal to try and disrupt this. So I think even if it gets disrupted, it's probably still swung the points advantage and the game advantage in your favor a little bit. So I think either way, it is a super strong card. Yeah, and and it's one where if I'm playing Hydra, it's in my 10, but I'm not necessarily bringing it out in every game. No. I think what people need to watch out for, though, and this is, again, this is how I think people will get this off easier than you might think. So people need to watch out for if you if they're using this card and they have the core box red skull. Because if core box red skull is already on six power, he can activate, he can cosmic cube to get three more power, and then he can place either Arnim Zola or Strucker where they need to be to meet their condition. So that's two of your condition two that can be two of your conditions met during one activation. Because Red Skull can also do an attack, which he might need to take him up to six power. So I think that's what's gonna really catch people out. Because if you meet the first two conditions, it's feasible to meet the second two within one activation, which is really, really dangerous. You need to really watch out for that, I think. Yeah, and again, like the there there's a, a myriad of different ways that we can kind of break this down and everything. And like for me, to your point, the, the Schmidt and Zola being placed, all that stuff. To me, it's Strucker activates last if you're trying to do this, no matter what, because he is the least tanky of all of these characters. And you want him, it, you want to be wider than your opponent, and you want to activate last, so that way you can have Strucker be the, the final nail in the coffin. In my opinion. But that's, you know, there's so much that happens in a game. So much that it's just if you're actively going after this, I think it also could be you could end up not playing the game like we talked about with in the opposite way. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I think you got to let this come to you more so than like really going after it. I think if it, it's a trap, it's not a trap card, but that's the best way I can think to explain it in the sense that. If you fixate on it too much as the player trying to get it off, it's going to really punish you. Yes. But if your opponent fixates too much on it going off, it's going to really punish them. I think that is sort of the reason why you take it. It's, it almost reminds me, I know it's very a very different tactics card, it reminds me of Deal with the Devil, for example. Because Deal with the Devil puts you in a situation where you don't want to KO Ghost Rider. Yep. But if you focus too hard on not KOing him, that can be your detriment. 
and it might have just been better to go for it and and let the card trigger. Obviously, it's a little different here, but it, it creates that mentality of it's something that your opponent has to think about that adds an extra layer to what they have to think about and process when playing the game. Because yeah. it's something new. It's an added variable that could have a huge impact on the game that you don't have to think about in 9 out of 10 games. 100%. 100%. And with that, gentlemen, I think we've covered all the topics we're going to cover today, and yeah. I'm, I'm stoked for these characters and these cards. I think no that problem. it's going to be a lot of fun. They're going to be absolutely amazing. Hydra, I think, they're going to be very, as, as you used to say, finesse. Yes. Which to make them work, I think they're similar to Web Warriors. They're, they're, they're pretty strong, as is, base. But if you take the time and really begin to understand them and their different interactions and sort of what each character can do, I think they're going to be phenomenal. Yeah, I think they're going to be solid. And Aaron, where can people find you? And John, I guess. Like, I don't know if you want to speak for both of you. Uh, well, John and I are almost becoming the deadly duo now, aren't we, over on YouTube? So you <laughs> can, I'll be Rocky. You can be Rocky. I'll be, I'll be the tree. I'm okay with that. Um, so you can find us on YouTube at Web Warrior Protocols. Uh, that's sort of our biggest endeavor at the minute. That's what we're really pursuing is uh, to grow the YouTube channel, to hit that 1,000 subscriber mark and whatnot. So that's the first place you can find us. You can also find me, at least, over on the website, which is webwarriorprotocols.com. Uh, then we have all our different social media, which I believe is now under Web Warrior Protocols. Previously, some of it used to be called the 14th Legion, uh, but I believe it's all been moved over to Web Warrior Protocols now. And then lastly as well, if you want to support any of the content that we produce or anything that we do, um, you can find us over on Patreon as well, where you can get access to a bunch of different things. But the main place at the minute is the YouTube channel where we've been grinding out battle reports. Um, I, I do get a little bit paranoid about the battle reports, as I worry a lot about if we make any mistakes, but I'm fairly confident in saying that you can watch our content and we get 99% of the rules bang on and correct, and that is sort of what we're aiming for as an almost unique selling point, is to provide battle reports where you can watch them and know that that is how the game works and interacts, and they're really insightful and uh, offer it understanding of the different characters and mechanics. Heck yeah, no, they're, they're really good stuff. I highly recommend the suits out there to go and check that out. And, uh, John, people find you with Aaron, or are you your own guy? I mean, I'm my own guy, but the <laughs> easiest place to reach me is probably through some of the Web Warrior Protocol stuff. Other than that, I am in the chillest, realest, most relaxed Discord on the interwebs, which happens to be the House Party yeah. Protocol one. Uh, I'm John CH13 in there, and all the other Marvel Discords. And then if somebody is absolutely desperate to reach out to me, which I highly doubt, you can find me on Twitter with at underscore just press play, which is my personal account, but it's used for hobby and everything else. So I am available on there. Heck just yeah. worth mentioning, you find John over on OnlyFans as well. Uh, what, oh, we weren't, sorry, John just said I weren't meant to announce that, so never mind. Ah, it's literally of me rolling dice and popping dice and shooting dice and just seeing how they land. Yep. Popping dice, huh? Popping them out of uh, choice places, I'm sure. All right, well, this is just jokes gone way too far. The last thing I do want to say, yeah. as John mentioned about your Discord, uh, Will, being the chillest, really best place to be, um, is a big thank you to you, Will. You've been a huge help for myself making content and producing things. Um, as I mentioned, I've got my own Patreon. 
with its own Discord. And my aim, honestly, is your Discord because it's it's absolutely great to be part of. Super chill, super great. And I think the community that you've built and what you've worked towards is phenomenal. And I think you are a genuine pillar of the community. I really, really appreciate it. And that is what I strive to create as well and what I almost aim to replicate. And I'm very grateful for that and the fact that you have us on here every month. So I just want to say thank you. Oh, hey, I, I really appreciate that. It it means a lot to me. And, you know, I've, I've talked about this many, many times before, but, you know, I, I definitely have a little bit of imposter syndrome when it comes to some of this stuff. So, like, the fact that, that you say that, it just, it really means a lot to me. And uh, it's one of those things where I I try, you know what I mean? I try to try to be be a good person in the community, I guess you could say. that There's plenty of other good people out there in this community. We have a, that's the thing about MCP, it is a wonderful community in the 100%. overall so you know definitely i just wanted to make sure you're very much aware will that john and i at least really appreciate what you do as well for the community thank you i appreciate that so we do need to come up with a secret code word for this week's episode and uh yeah it it can't be only fans even though that like kind of seems what, hilarious what was the word you used for the plural of strategic genius oh, genii 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 can we use that? <laughs> yeah. Strategic genii. And yeah. I will let the suits decide how they want to spell that because I'm I'm cool with whatever you want to send me in this regard. So I think you should let them decide and then after they've all come in, eliminate the ones that you decide to spell incorrectly yeah. just for have, not. have a secret secret <laughs> spelling. Yes. A you secret secret secret. No, that'd be terrible. Yes. <laughs> stop, stop giving me bad ideas. I mean great ideas. Yeah. No, no. Has a community in half in one yeah. swift idea. Exactly. There you go. So, yeah, strategic genii is going to be your secret code word. So send me a message on Facebook or on Discord, or you can send me an email, housepartyprotocolpod at gmail.com. Make sure to go to Facebook if you have not already. It is the pinned post on our Facebook page. Leave a comment, leave a like, and you will get access to our giveaway. We'll be drawing that next week. So... Be ready for that. I think we're about seven days away from the draw on that. So I'm really excited for that. We're giving away a Malekith and a Winter Guard, Crimson Dynamo, and Dark Star Box. Also, make sure to check out the YouTube channel if you have not already. Make sure to subscribe to that. Send me a picture with the fact that you subscribed, and you'll get another bonus entry there. And also, I want to give a special shout-out to all of the suits that are signed up for the Patreon. You know, it's... a uh, it's one of those things where I cannot express my gratitude enough. It is something that I, I never thought would happen. And I'm just constantly amazed by the support that that community gives me and the broader community as a whole. And I can't wait for the future of House Party Protocol. I'm very excited for some of the YouTube stuff. We're going to be doing some, some really fun things on there. And I, I can't wait for that to happen. And then also I want to say uh, just just thank you guys for joining me. It's always a good time. Uh, Aaron and John, I, I got to say, I, I really enjoy our discussions. And I can't wait till next time. Neither can I, Will. Neither can I. Definitely. It's going to be great. And I think I've covered all of my bases. Oh, yeah. Check out the merch. It's in the uh, description. Make sure to check out the merch if you're interested in that we've got more designs on the way they should be here in the next week or so so be ready for that and with that party on john party on will however 
is there any way for me to find out some friendly UK shipping for your merch? Because I looked the other week and went, ooh, it basically almost cost me the cost of the T-shirt again. Uh, see that? I, I don't know. I... I, I know. It's just a thought. It's not a criticism. It's just an idea because I was like, oh, I'll do that. I'll support Will out in the public too and on a couple of game days and then went, oh, hold on. Okay, so what I'll do is I will investigate a European shop option and see if if that's something that's available, and I'll let you know. Amazing. Brilliant. Or oh, just send one via pigeon or squirrel or something. That is also fine. Yes, I will I will call up call up a squirrel that's gonna fly across the ocean. It's coming. It's coming right away. Flying squirrel to a thing, Will. I'm gonna tie I'm gonna tie it to a dolphin and it's gonna go through the ocean, so it might be a little salty when it gets there. <laughs> Just imagine the it's dolphin how I play out of all the my games. A little salty, so it will be fine. Exactly, exactly. Just and... imagine Will now, like the deep from the boys yeah. talking oh to Oh my fish. god. <laughs> I think that's where his association with the deep. Yeah, no. So. Yeah, that's the only association is talking to fish. And with that, party on, Aaron. Party on, Will. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and power down suits. <laughs>